0: Hello and welcome to episode number 53 of Brewers on Tap. I am Lane Grinnell and it's great to have you with us for another edition of the podcast. We have a lot in store for you on the podcast here today. As you will hear from Brewers Farm Director Tom Flanagan. But first, big news that came out last night from Major League Baseball. Of course, the rosters for the 87th annual All-Star Game in San Diego next Tuesday were announced. And the big news for the Brewers, Jonathan Lucroy named... To the team as a reserve catcher, it's his second All-Star Game appearance. He was, of course, the starting catcher in 2014. He was a manager's selection. And then, of course, Ryan Braun is one of five final vote candidates in contention for the final spot on the National League roster. So there could be two Brewers in San Diego next week, but that's going to be up to you because the final vote's going to run from Tuesday night all the way through to July 8th, which is this Friday. So you got a couple of days here. Uh, at 3 o'clock Central Time is when the voting stops. And there's three different ways you can vote, so pay attention to this. You can go online and go to brewers.com vote, or you can vote via text message, and all you do is text N2 to 89269 to vote for Brawny. Or you can go on Twitter, and on the final day of voting, that's again Friday from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central, there will be a Twitter vote, and fans can vote by using the hashtag Vote Braun. Each tweet that uses the hashtag is going to count as one vote, and there's no limit to the number of tweets that you can send. Different from the normal voting period, there's no limit. So you can get out there and try to do your best to get Braun to San Diego for the 87th annual All-Star Game. He's making a bid for his seventh career All-Star Game appearance. He played in it last year in Cincinnati, tripled, scored a run, and is only at bat. His stats this year, pretty impressive. 322 batting average that leads all National League outfielders. It's fourth in the National League overall. He has a 916 OPS that leads the Brewers. A 538 slugging percentage leads the Brewers. 13 home runs, 44 driven in. Clearly having an all-star season, clearly deserving of being in San Diego. Well, let's take a look at the week that was for the Brewers. And it starts last Wednesday with the Dodgers in town. And boy, what a game it was for the crew as Junior Guerra went eight innings, did not give up a run. It was a shutout for the crew as they win over the Dodgers 7-0. Kirk Neuenheis and Ryan Braun, both with home runs in the contest. But again, the star was Junior Guerra. Unfortunately, in the final game of the series, a series decider, the Dodgers came away with a big victory over the crew. And then the crew left for St. Louis. And a tough weekend in the slough as St. Louis with three wins and a sweep of the crew. Road trip continued to Washington, D.C. and the nation's capital on the 4th of July. Pretty special thing for the Brewers. And boy, what a special game it was. Of course, with Washington, they have the traditional 11 a.m. Eastern start on the Fourth of July, which is very cool. It's kind of one of their traditions, and so the crew got a chance to play in that this year. And Junior Guerra seven and a third innings, no earned runs. Jeremy Jeffress collected save number 22. The difference in this one, it was a one nothing game. Martin Maldonado with a solo home run, his third of the season. Swing
1: on a drive to left center and deep. Get up, get out of here and gone for Maldonado. And the Brewers have the lead on a booming home run by Martin Maldonado.
0: And then on Tuesday, the crew came back with a chance to just continue to have the number of the Nationals this year. 5-2 victory. Zach Davies good bounce back after a tough Thursday start against the Dodgers. Not so much against the Nationals on Tuesday night. Six and two-thirds. Two earned runs. J.J. with the save. His 23rd. Aaron Hill and Aaron Perez both with home runs for the crew. All right, let's break down the Brewer's Farm system. Let's break it down. Welcome to Brewers on Tap TV, and this week we're joined by Tom Flanagan, Brewer's Farm Director, who's been a very busy man over the last couple of weeks. You're always a busy man, Tom, but uh, i got to imagine, even though it's a lot of travel and there's a lot going on, this is also one of the reasons why you do what you do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. This is the the, the sweet spot supposedly of the job and I like it. I mean, it's a large influx of players you get to admire what the scouts do leading up to the draft and then we're excited to get our hands on the new players that come in. So I just made some recent trips to uh Helena and Arizona. Saw some of the new players that were already in place, not all of them, but it's definitely an exciting time.
0: That process of determining where guys are going to go, where they're going to start their careers, uh, a lot of them are going to start in Helena, some of them may start in Arizona, and then of course occasionally some guys may start even above that level. At what point do you guys really start dialing on that? The minute the draft is over, or do you even have a pretty good idea when you're selecting guys through the process of where you think their their growth pattern will begin, so to speak? I think,
1: I think a little bit of both. I think for certain guys, it's a no-brainer. You know where they, where they can no. get a decent start, but for, for some guys, it's a discussion, a lot of thought goes involved, but we defer a lot to the scouts in terms of what they've seen in the player, both on the field and off. Sometimes it's a question of ability, sometimes it's a question of maturity or uh, competition level that they face. So it's a multitude of factors, but we try and put them in a position where they can get into a routine at that level, get an introduction half season into pro ball, and then at the same time be challenged, but not challenged to the point of, of putting on too much of a burden to these players.
0: You know, the, the draft signing deadline has been moved up in the last couple of years, and it's now July 15th, and we were just talking before we started, that that, that seems like a good thing for everybody. I think it's good for college teams, good for certainly the pro teams as well. You can kind of get that timeline moved up. Guys can get out and get to their assignments, and it kind of cuts through some of the other stuff that went on. Does that make it a little bit easier to kind of get this? Yes. Pro- it's m- maybe yeah. a little bit more of a whirlwind, but at sure. the same time you're able to get guys out and get them started in their careers. Yeah.
1: I think it helps quite a bit because a lot of times in the past, particularly higher picks or college picks, would pretty much wait until that deadline and then you'd lose that half a year of development time or at least you can get them into pro ball, get the adjustments underway, staff can get to know them, start to introduce them to what they're going to be doing for the next few years here in the minor leagues. And I think the deadline has really kind of pushed things up where now teams can actually be teams. So you can get groups of guys together quicker and um, take on more of an orientation for these players at one time.
0: In terms of signing the draft picks, and right now the Brewers have a pretty healthy amount of the draft picks already <laughs> signed, and there's a little bit of that pool left. And I suppose as you get closer to July 15th, there may be a few more additions. But for the most part, you get the core group in place. In terms of signing guys, what's that? look like in terms of the process, who's all involved, and and how you guys get that all worked out. Sure.
1: The signing is really, the the great majority is done by our scouting staff. And I know Ray heads that up. Uh, The area guys get into homes the cross-checkers assist. I know David Stearns is involved with some of the higher picks in terms of nailing out contracts for those guys. But it's really a a team approach where the slotting system that MLB has instituted helps to a great deal, where it helps, I think, educate the players as to where they fit. And then at the same time, uh, as you mentioned, the deadline kind of puts that cap. So it kind of forces the issue where guys know whether they want to play or not for the most part. There's a handful of guys. High school players may be a little bit torn. But I think, it's, uh, I think it's mainly our scouts and the relationships they build ahead of time that truly know whether the kid wants to sign now or is he more inclined to go to college. So it's, a, it's really a process that begins before the draft and then continues on right up until they ink the, uh, the paper itself.
0: Let's start at AAA and we're gonna work our way down through the organization a little bit here. And it seems like Colorado Springs has really started to play some pretty good baseball here recently, having some success. Uh, finished the first half, or, well they're not done with the first half, but they're finishing the first half very strong. At this point in time, and, and and that's been an interesting group because you've had, you know, some of those guys have been up and down uh, in that mix. It seems like those guys have taken that all in stride pretty well because when they've gone to Colorado Springs, they've performed, especially at the position players, sure. from a position player standpoint. Yeah, it's
1: really an interesting group. It's a it's a it's a younger group probably for to some degree at Triple-A with some prospects that we have there. Mm-hmm. Certainly, there's also some um, guys that are further along in their careers, but overall, I just got back there last week myself and. Uh, they're a team which offensively are very strong, yeah. but they battle. There's a lot of games where you, yeah. look, you look mid-innings, they might be down by a bunch of runs, and they're they're in it till the end. They have a lot of uh, late comebacks in them. So they're right at the 500 mark. They've been a little uh, below expectations in terms of a win-loss, but uh, we've we've kind of picked some of the players off of their roster a little bit here to help, obviously name the game to help the big league club. So they've uh, missed some some starters at times and things of that nature. But I think the team's really starting to gel and. And look for big things down the stretch there
0: and of course orlando arcia is a big prospect this is a guy that he got out to a great start and has really had a pretty strong year maybe the last couple weeks hasn't swung it as well as he'd like he's also played a little bit of second base has that been fun for you guys to see how he handles that a little bit as well and that's that's yeah. kind of what you do at these levels you let guys Absolutely. get into some other positions to see how versatile they can be for you.
1: Yeah, there's different points of the year where we're we're monitoring their usage and where they're playing. And we we have a game plan for some players coming out of spring training in terms of specific positions that we want want them to play. And with Orlando, obviously, it just adds his versatility. We, We still see him as a shortstop, no doubt. But the ability to move over to the other side, play some second base, which he's done it in the past at double A with Yadi Rivera and him splitting time there in the year before, uh, even at Brevard County as well. So it's a position that's not foreign to him. We kind of uh, bumped him over there for two, three games in a row, and then we'll probably go once every week or so the rest of the way just to mix in that occasional time. But he's he's a plus defender wherever you put him, especially at shortstop. So he's. Fun to watch at either spot.
0: You've moved up Josh Hader from AA Biloxi into AAA. And outside of maybe one start, he's performed pretty well. Looks like he's you know, feeling himself out a little bit, but he's worked five plus pretty much uh, uh, in three of the four starts and uh, you know, getting a lot of strikeouts. I mean, a lot of that yeah. stuff that played at the AA level seems to be playing at AAA as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, For Josh, I think it's just a matter of continuing the development with the secondary stuff. I know that's been an emphasis. Yeah. He takes pride in it. He knows he has a good changeup. Uh, slider as well and he's trying to encompass that into his arsenal because we definitely see him as a starting pitcher when he gets to milwaukee in the future and that's something that he'll certainly need at this level with the more experienced hitters that he's surely going to face but but he's made good strides as you mentioned you know we, we talk a lot about colorado springs and the environment but i don't think mentally it really phases josh he's he knows what he wants to do and he's he knows the importance of putting the time in getting the development to continue and hopefully make himself that much better in the years ahead
0: Jorge Lopez had the fantastic year last year in double-a and he's obviously had his struggles at the triple-a level so far this year how do you, what do you guys communicate to him in terms of hanging in there and understanding that it is a difficult environment to pitch in and, sure. and sometimes you're going to have tough starts whether you make quality pitches or not sometimes
1: absolutely you almost have to stress with those guys that uh, the stats although important it's really how he goes about it we understand the, the mm-hmm. challenges that you face pitching at that elevation but it's something that if they can master that just it's just another challenge right. that we throw at them in their development so they need to make the best of it and while they're there realize that it's it's not an excuse for poor results it may be something we calibrate when we look at their performances but the coaches are looking at more than just the, the bottom line line score and and with Lopez it's no different obviously he had a big year last year he struggled out of the gate he's he's probably his last maybe four out of six outings have been a little bit better um, and he's, he's certainly Taking the task, you know, things that we're working on with him. So I think, I think you'll see him kind of level out here and, and show the improvement um, before the, before it's said and done down here at Colorado Springs.
0: There's a few other guys in Colorado Springs that are more veteran types. They've been around a little bit, but still intriguing guys. I think Manny yeah. Pena and what he's done behind the plate, and then of course Will Middlebrooks sure. uh, has really turned it on over the last month or so, uh, slugging at a good percentage. It just seems like he's starting to get really comfortable.
1: He has, yeah, Wills really went on a tear probably the last 30 games or so. And really started out slow, was really scuffling um, the start of the season, but as you mentioned, he has really picked it up, and uh, Manny Pena behind the plate, he's uh, coming back from a hamstring injury, should yeah. be back in the next couple of days here. He's really swung the bat, he's probably, overall, probably been their most successful hitter from opening day forward. And his work behind the plate, our staff has been very impressed the way he handles the staff, and he can throw to the bases. He's, he's really a uh, 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 surprise for us. And uh, I didn't know a lot about him, so maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. But just yeah. everything you see about him, you really like. So it's been a bright spot.
0: We have some questions that came in via Twitter uh, for Tom as well. And Kurt asked via Twitter on Garen Cicchini. And since we're talking AAA, we'll ask this question now. Uh, playing a lot of first base, he wants to know if third base is still in the
1: picture for Garin Chiquita. Yep. It's still, it certainly is still in the picture. He can play over there. Uh, that roster, we have a lot of versatile guys, and he hasn't. He played, I think, maybe a dozen games over there to this point. Not a lot recently at third base, more so with Middlebrooks and when Elmore was there and Yadi Rivera. So it's really just a numbers issue. We'll we'll still rotate him over there, but he's really done. He's really taken the first base well, and he's he's actually driven the ball pretty well offensively so we're, we're, we're pleased with Garen and uh, hopefully we can continue that.
0: Double A Biloxi, the big news outside of players is that you've re-upped from PDC standpoint and going to be with Biloxi for sure. years to come which is exciting.
1: Yes it is. It's it's uh, really, uh, in terms of the Southern League, it's really one of the, the premier ballparks really in all of minor league baseball. We Obviously the facility is great but also our partners there with with the Biloxi franchise, the owner Ken Young and their front office really do a first class job and. They've been great partners with us, you know, kind of going through last year with the big fifty-four game road trip and all that. And I think we got to know each other a little better (laughs) under those circumstances and it's it's been a quality partnership here forward. So we're, we're looking forward to many more years with that relationship and playing at MGM Park.
0: A lot of prospects on that team, clearly. And one of the guys we start with there is Brett Phillips, who has had some injury issues this year, but he is showing a lot of power. We know he has a great arm in the outfield as well. What are some of the yeah. things you guys are looking for in the next steps from Brett Phillips as he continues to move up through the system?
1: Sure, as you mentioned, he's a he's certainly a five-tool guy. He brings, whether he's hitting or not that night, yeah. he can beat you with his, with his legs or defensively in center field as you mentioned he can really throw so it's just overall development i think for brett still working on his his plate discipline some more and enhance that he is drawing a lot of walks um as well so that's that's probably the biggest area for him just he's he's still age appropriate for double a so in the time remaining there at double a for him just needs to continue to work in those areas and uh i think he'll be a person that the fans are definitely excited to see here in Miller Park down the road.
0: And it was a tough start offensively for Jacob Nottingham, but he seemed to kind of shake that and once the calendar flipped, really maybe to May, he started to, to perform a lot better at the plate. Your thoughts there, but also your thoughts on how he's developing behind the plate.
1: Yeah, he's been, he's been a, a, a great addition to the organization, I mean in spring training, Again, I hadn't seen a lot of him in person, certainly, mm-hmm. but our catching coordinator and field coordinator, Charlie Green, spent a lot of time with him in spring, and, and really from day one, Charlie said, hey, this kid can catch, and and he is not disappointed. He's, he's been um, better than advertised, really, behind the plate in terms of what our staff feels. and. Obviously, there's room to grow, and, and certainly can get better. But um, being at Double A at this point in his career, I think that was kind of an aggressive placement, but it was good. We challenged him, and he's, as you mentioned, got off to a little bit slow start maybe with the bat, but he's really picked it up, and um, both offensively and defensively, he's he's right on pace. I think you'll you'll see continued improvement from Jake.
0: How nice is it when you have a guy like Charlie Green in your organization, knowing that. You know, if we take a guy in the draft, or if we make a move, and, and one of the prospects that we get in that deal um, is a very offensively gifted catcher, sure. and we can develop him because we have a guy like Charlie Green. I mean, That's, do you guys yeah. do you guys
1: think about things like that? Yeah, absolutely. I know our scouts will reference that in the draft with different players. Yeah. Hey, if we could get this player with so and so pitching coach, or right. this player with Charlie behind the plate, you know, you can. It's 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 a confidence builder. I think on both ends, you may be willing to take a little more risk. Mm -hmm. In our organization for a certain player thinking you can you can benefit him as opposed to maybe if you didn't have that person working with you So it's it's a definite plus obviously the the staff tries to challenge themselves every day where At the same time you want to wish hey, I can help this guy You don't want to write any players off right, you you know see it through So I think it's more of the frame of mind that the staff needs to have to say hey Look for what the player could do or how we can make them be a better player as opposed to just writing them off and and, uh, not seeing it through with a player. So definitely is a plus to have that that type of staff.
0: Class A Brevard County um, has had their struggles, wins and losses wise, but certainly some prospects there as well. And and there's going to be a pretty big one that's going to get there by this weekend and maybe be in the lineup next week. And that's Corey Ray, the number five overall pick and the first round draft pick this year. A very advanced guy. Uh, to be coming out of the draft and, and be in the position he's in, but you can watch his game and understand why he can take on an assignment sure. like that.
1: Yeah, it's, and, and again, I think it's a it's a spot where he can go. He can play center field there. He can play every day, kind of make the adjustment into pro ball. It's 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 a tough league in terms of the size of the ballparks. Yeah. You know, the ball doesn't really travel as well as it does in other places. But I think it's the right spot a spot for him to start his game, and uh, we'll certainly give him time, we'll give him some time when he gets there. He's been off for a while since the uh, NCAA season ended, so he'll have a little breather when he gets there to to start seeing some live BP and things, but uh, we're all excited to see him get out and and ease him into the pro game.
0: 2015 first round draft pick Trent Clark has dealt with some injuries since being sent to, to Class A Wisconsin. but. Uh, it looks like he's getting kind of adapted and, and somewhat comfortable and, and all part of that growing process.
1: Yeah, he has. He's a, he's a guy that I think for a high school hitter a little more in tune with mm-hmm. plate discipline and his strike zone judgment is a little bit advanced. So it's it's helped his on base. Uh, batting average may not be up quite to where I think it'll end up. But so far, so good. But as you mentioned, he's had a few nagging injuries. He has missed about two weeks with a hammy. And now he's uh, battling that a little bit again. So we'll be cautious with him. And, and when he does get back, I think he'll continue to develop to that end but he's uh, he's another uh, center fielder we're blessed with a, a good deep crop of outfielders right now so it's exciting to see that when you look down the organizational ladder
0: yeah you you, you think we talked about Colorado Springs having the different environment with the altitude um, certainly every league you know Florida State League big big ballparks as you said and a lot of pretty high-end pitching typically going to the Florida State League and then you look at Class A Wisconsin Offensively, that's a tough league early because yes. it's so cold. And so sometimes you see those averages maybe lag behind early, but then by the time the summer comes, all of a sudden there's more power. And, sure. and it seems like those things start to balance out at that
1: point. Absolutely. Yeah. A number of the players that we had in spring, Isan Diaz, you know, was named yeah. the all star shortstop for the Midwest League. And uh, the way he swung the bat in spring training, we thought, hey, this guy's going to be locked in. But then, as you mentioned, you get there and it's. 38 degrees <laughs> of game time. It's an adjustment for these guys. So um, but they battled through. And I think Isan, especially among other guys there has really stepped it up at late. So I, I, and the one thing I didn't mention, uh, Wisconsin and Brevard are both extremely young. They're probably the yeah. top two or three youngest teams at their level. So that's always a challenge. And I think uh, the way things shake out in the second half, I think that'll that experience that they gained in the first half will certainly help them down the stretch here in the Midwest League.
0: You know, back to Brevard Kenny real quick. John Perrin has moved up from Wisconsin and it seems like he's made that adjustment pretty well.
1: He has. He's done a good job there. He's uh he really dominated the Midwest League and he was a ridiculous yeah. strikeout to walk ratio. So we, we tried to challenge him, obviously bumped him up to Brevard. He's pretty much held his own there. He's done done very well. So we'll Look forward to following him the rest of the season.
0: All right, we go back to Wisconsin real quick. Monte Harrison with the injury—that was tough news because it seemed like year. he was starting to turn the corner at that point. He
1: was. He was really. He was probably their hottest hitter at the time. It hit a bunch of home runs at the start of the month, and then uh, unfortunately fractured a hamate bone in his, his bottom hand, the left hand. So probably going to be set back for about four to six weeks, but. Um, it's definitely something he'll recover from. There's no long, long-term effects at all. So we'll try and shoot him back up there for the end of their season, and hopefully it's a playoff push at that time for the T-Rets.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, a, a ton of All-Star uh, it's All-Stars on that roster, I mean, just incredible representation for the Wisconsin Timber Attlers um, on their All-Star team uh, just a couple of weeks ago when they played, uh, about a week ago when they played the All-Star game for the Midwest League. All right, Helena has uh, started play, and a lot of these guys that we just saw picked in the draft are already there. Lucas Ursig is turning a lot of heads. Yeah,
1: Lucas off to a great start. He's hit, hitting over 400 in the early going there. and. Um, not sure how long he 'll be there, but yeah. certainly he 's putting in the time and <clears throat> it 's an adjustment for him, obviously uh, coming out of college, you want to get these guys' feet under him, make sure they 're ready, and then once they make the adjustment into pro ball we'll monitor him and his progress, see how he goes but hes he 's really off to a nice start.
0: How challenging is it to make it all fit in terms of where guys are at, not just from what 's best for them but what 's best for other guys too and, sure. and and when I say that you know you talk about ersig who at some point, you may have to decide he needs to be challenged more if he sure. continues to swing the bat like this. this. But you have Jake Gatewood at Wisconsin, who's a guy sure. that is a pretty big prospect. So, do you say, okay, well, we want to we want to move him up? Do we split time with them? Do we try some different positions? Because obviously, you want those guys to have at
1: sure. bats one,
0: when when they're wherever they are, too,
1: right? Sure, it's a it's a tough problem, but it's yeah. certainly a problem we like to have, just yeah. because you have options. You're Absolutely. not just plugging guys in, but. But in terms of the positional versatility we talked about earlier with yeah. Orlando RC I think that's something that comes into play um, appropriately at that time, where if you do say, hey, this guy has to go up. Somebody else is already in position. That may be a time where you start to move guys around. And, and it can only help them. They're still going to get there at bats at that level. But yeah. it just challenges them to be able to establish that versatility. So. You know, if it comes to that, Jake certainly a guy that's played quite a bit at short, so he could get some time at short. They have the DH there, so it's a it's a tough problem on paper, but usually it, it works yeah. itself out. And, and real quick, I want you to be able to
0: comment on Josh Hader making the MLB Futures Game because that's always a pretty sure. cool accomplishment.
1: Oh, that's a great great honor for Josh. We're excited for him. Um, he obviously, dominated his time as you mentioned at Double A, and he's kind of continued uh, to make the adjustment at Triple A. So I think it's a good he will be a good representative for the organization, and excited to see him out there.
0: A couple more questions from Twitter, and then we'll let you go. David wants to know who's a prospect that's been overlooked, but can produce at the MLB level.
1: Okay, one guy that really doesn't get any kind of publicity. Um, he was actually a non-drafted player for us, is already at AAA, Nate Orff. Yeah. He uh, he was injured a little bit in college, kind of got overlooked in the draft, but we've kind of pushed him. He's he's a little bit older than most traditional prospects, but not for a lack of anything he's done. He's he's met the challenge pretty much everywhere we put him. So kind of a sleeper for us at the AAA level and a uh, great guy to have on the club. He's a guy that I know the staff and the, uh, the fellow players really look to as a, a leader type guy. So Nate Orff's probably a guy that fits that number of pitchers this year. That Wisconsin yeah. staff is uh, yeah. stacked with a few guys that don't get a lot of... PR, but there's a handful of guys in the organization right now that we'd probably throw in that category.
0: And Jim asks, and this is more of an organizational type of question, and that is, how do you manage guys' dietary needs, workouts, all those types of things? Because obviously depending upon where you're at, the visiting clubhouse might not you know, provide you the same type of opportunities sure. that you have when you're at home. Is it hard to stay on top of that, making sure it's, guys are taking care of themselves?
1: It's hard to do. We've made major strides. I think we're ahead of most organizations in what mm-hmm. we do. We have a nutrition program, basically AAA all the way down to rookie ball, that our director of medical operations, Roger Kaplinger, yeah. oversees, and Jonah Murga is our strength and conditioning coordinator at Brevard County. He's really the point person. But we have a catered pre-game and post-game spread for all the players that's there. It's high in nutritional content. It really, we, we know they're our biggest asset as our players. So we want to feed them properly to make sure they're fueled correctly, energy wise, both pre and post game. So I witness that when I make my uh, trips around. And it's it's definitely improvement that's, that's occurred in minor league baseball over the years. It's something that guys used to walk in with a bag of McDonald's or yeah. they'd rush out of the park after the game to try and hit the, uh, the local fast food restaurant before it closed right. so they could have something to eat. And it's, it's something we take seriously. We know how important it is to educate these guys nutritionally, and, and by providing it, it's it's a great resource that we provide.
0: Well, Tom, we know you're a busy man, so thanks for taking the time out for us today. Uh, we could probably sit here for two hours. There's so many different guys and different things to talk about, but hopefully we hit on the key po- points and uh, appreciate it once again. Thanks again, Lane, anytime. You bet. Take Tom Flanagan, Brewers Farm Director, with us here on Brewers on Tap TV. Checking in on the farm. Back. Well, we begin in Colorado Springs, 41-40 and 40 for the Sky Sox going into Tuesday night's games, and they have three All-Stars for the PCL and the AAA All-Star game. It's going to be Damian Magnifico, the fantastic reliever with the triple-digit fastball for the Sky Sox. Also, Manny Pena, the catcher who's having a big year for the Sky Sox, he was named to the All-Star team, and of course, super prospect Orlando Arcia, also a member of that All-Star crew. A couple of names that you should pay attention to in Colorado Springs. Kyle Wren, who's been promoted from Biloxi, he's played over 25 games now for Colorado Springs. He's hitting 404. The guy is getting it done at the AAA level and turning some heads. And Nate Orff also really turning some heads. I had a chance to talk to Tom Flanagan, as you heard earlier in the podcast. And if you listened, you heard him talk about Nate Orff. Thinks he's got a chance to really be a nice player for the crew at some point down the road. He's hitting 328 and 35-plus games at AAA. He split his time between AAA Colorado Springs and Biloxi so far this year. Speaking of the Shuckers... Taylor Youngman, after a rough start last week on the mound, made a step forward on Tuesday night for Biloxi, pitching five innings, allowing just a run. Shuckers dropped the contest to Jacksonville and are now 44-37 on the season in the Southern League. Brevard County gets Corey Ray, the number one draft pick this past year for the Brewers. And although the Manatees have struggled to a 26-54 record, Ray collected an RBI in his first game as a pro on Monday, then collected his first hit, on Tuesday night. And Wisconsin and their manager Matt Erickson seeing tremendous performance out of Eson Diaz and Jake Gatewood. Both are surging right now. Timber Rattlers are 41 and 42 in the Midwest League in Class A. They had a 6 2 victory over Cedar Rapids on Tuesday night. And Eson Diaz, a double, a home run in the effort. He's now hitting 256 on the season. Gatewood collected another hit on Tuesday night. He's sitting at 254. Both had slow starts to the year but both with very good Junes, and that momentum seems to have carried over into July. Uh, and rookie ball is in the Frontier League, and boy, Lucas Ersig, we talk about him every week. He's just having a tremendous season, 389 on the year so far for the rookie. The Brewers were 8-9 and nine coming into Tuesday night's matchup with Billings.
1: Here's what's on tap with the Brewers.
0: Well, what's on tap Friday, July 8th? It is Free Shirt Friday, Hank Aaron Player T. This is going to be cool. It's given to all fans in attendance, courtesy of 94.5 KTI Country. Replicates Brewer's powder blue 70s unis. and You can't beat those powder blues, in my opinion. Featuring Hammer and Hank's 44 on the back. And then Saturday, July 9th, that's Ghostbusters Day. Break out your proton packs. Get ready for the Ghostbusters Day at Miller Park. Brewer's going to try to exterminate the St. Louis Cardinals. There's a special Ghostbusters Day ticket package that includes a limited edition Brewers Ghostbusters quad bobblehead as well. You can get more on that and look at that special ticket package by going to brewers.com slash theme nights. And then on Sunday, this is one everybody's head circled all year long in terms of things you can get promotions-wise at Brewers games this summer. Bob Euchre talking alarm clock, plus it's also a kids' eat free Sunday. The alarm clock, it's pretty cool. If you haven't seen it yet, Uh, you're going to like this thing. It's really awesome. Uh, You begin your mornings, you get a personal wake-up call from Mr. Baseball. It's a playoff of his famous home run call. So instead of get up, get up, get out of here, gone, it's get up, get up, get out of bed, go. and get you motivated. It's a good way to start your day. Kids eat free Sunday. All kids 14 and under get a free lunch featuring a hot dog, bottled water, apple slices, and an ice cream treat. For tickets, call 414-902-4000. Or visit Brewers.com. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Brewers on Tap. We thank you for stopping by. We'll be back with you next week, an all-star edition of Brewers on Tap. We can't wait for it. Hopefully you'll be with us as well. Have a good week, everyone.